to Real Indigenous. Uwanga Angela starts in Upiak. And with me are my two hosts. Sio and Hawaii, Candice. Alito, this is Telly. And we have a special guest with us tonight, a fan favorite, a host favorite. Uh, wow, a fan favorite and a host favorite. Oh, there's so much pressure. Oh, no. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Joey Clift. I'm a role member of the Cowlitz Indian Tribe, a comedian, TV writer. You've had me on before. You get it. Yes, but now we've all had a chance to see your short. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, my my short. Wait, which which one? I've got a couple that are out right now. Oh, the live action. The my oh, first cool. Native American boyfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for watching it. Um, yeah, I uh, that short. Um, it uh, just finished its festival run. It went through the film festivals for about a year. Got into a ton of festivals. Won some awards. And um, it was uh, my first time directing a live action short. It was so fun to do. Um. And uh, yeah, so thanks a ton for watching it. Well, we screened it at Rodeo Cinema as part of the Native American Heritage Month programming with a series of shorts. And it's, I think it was the first film when Sunrise was programming to run in the group. And I mean, it just brought the house down. Everybody Yay. loved it. Yeah. I was about, okay. Don't tell me if it's, it was, the, if it was the favorite short of the night, but was it in the top like five shorts of the night? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Considering there's only five shorts. You were okay, cool. okay. <laughs> okay, thank God. Okay. Oh, okay, God. Oh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it had... Only five shorts. And nah, it wasn't even in the top five. Like <laughs> somebody watched the trailer for playing on their phone beforehand, and that technically did better. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to watch that one again. <laughs> yeah, like, yo, put that on the screen. <laughs> so yes, this is the surprise ending, I think, was um, really the the clincher for making it a fan favorite. Thanks, Tanya, for um, for context for everybody listening. Um, the short's called My First Native American Boyfriend, and it's about just like stuff I've kind of run into just dating as a Native person, dating non-Natives. And um, it was inspired by um, a woman that I dated a few years ago. It shook me awake um, like a couple weeks into the relationship at two in the morning on a Saturday with a look of just absolute concern in her eyes because she had to tell me that when she was five years old, her mom dressed her up like Pocahontas from the Disney movie and she just had to apologize about it. And of course, <laughs> my response was like, eh, it's fine, go back to bed, like whatever. Um, but I feel like those sorts of things are like not uncommon. I mean, I don't know when you're like dating people that are like outside of your culture. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to take all those things and ball them up and make fun of them. Yeah, and it's not always just dating. It's like even people that you, yeah, oh gosh, friends even sometimes who, who just have to all of a sudden start asking the questions. Like once my friend was asked, to, "What kind of, what kind of place do you live in?" What, what kind of, <laughs> like a brick house. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, it's like it's stuff like that that's so wild to me. Is like. It's like, and it, I feel like it happens. It's, it's, it's the worst when it happens with like, you know, friends, people that you've like worked with or known for a couple of years. And then they're just like, it's like, oh, they've always wanted to ask, Hey, were you born in a teepee? And it's like, no, I no, that's plains. I'm Pacific Northwest. It would have been uh, a longhouse. Also, I was born in the eighties. So it was for sure a hospital, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where I got to screen it. I, I didn't get to screen it at rodeo because uh, that's in Oklahoma city. And I'm over here on the, on my, I'm about three hours away, but where I did get to see it was actually several hours away, like nine to 10 hours away at Santa Fe. And then I got to meet you there and uh, it was super fun crowd. Um, that was a super fun crowd to watch it with. Like there was a comfort, there was a comfort. I think that the audience kind of felt, I think at recognizing themselves in these situations, uh, you know, like you said, um, whether it's with friends or people that we've dated outside of culture outside of our cultures it felt like it um i'm not gonna say that they weren't asleep or anything it's just that before your short screen there were there was a series of scary like scary <laughs> scary animated shorts based on alaskan native stories and then um a, a couple of a couple of comedies and i felt like their comedy like really warmed up the crowd yeah it was just it was super fun to watch it with that with that energy 
Oh yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. That was very, that's something that's been really fun about uh, taking that short through festivals is the first place that I screened it at was um, in a, uh, like at a friend's comedy show in just like a backyard in Los Angeles. I would say that like the crowd was largely non-native. I think it was just like me and one other native person were the only people in the audience of, you know, like 50 people or whatever. The first joke, the Pocahontas line got a really big laugh. And then the 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 joke that was just like, oh, yeah, also when I was like in high school, I called Rihanna my spirit animal or whatever, like half the audience laughed really hard, just as hard as the first joke. And the other half got like dead quiet. <laughs> and I realized like afterwards, a friend of mine told me that, oh, that was like all the non-natives in the audience who regularly called things their spirit animal, who in that moment realized that they sucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whereas I feel like a native crowd just like gets, you know, it's like we've all had those experiences. So it's like, it's, it's like a native crowd. Nobody's like learning anything new watching that short. They're just seeing like, oh yeah, these are experiences that like us or our friends or whatever have probably run into. So it's really interesting because I feel like you're trying to educate a crowd that ne doesn't necessarily want to be educated. How, how has that been? You know, I, I I really love watching your animated shorts through Comedy Central, but then I do myself the disservice of going and reading the comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's and, you know, and like, all, all, you know, uh, respect to Comedy Central. They've been such great partners, um, you know, throughout this process. Like I've um, at this point released four animated shorts with them and I um, just had my uh, my uh, fourth short released just a few days ago. Um, it's about, uh, you know, uh, kind of it's like an open letter to Stephen King basically saying, hey, instead of uh, using Indian burial grounds in your books, have you thought about using European burial grounds? <laughs> and it's just about how, like, I don't know, Paris is literally built on a mountain of human bones. That's way scarier than anything Native people do. <laughs> like, um, So, you know, I think that I think that for me, it's like, you know, Comedy Central have been great partners, but also like whenever you whenever you send something out to the into the Internet, I think it's important to uh yeah not read the comments because it's like <laughs> you know it's like there's definitely some folks that and like there's definitely some folks that like will watch literally anything to do with natives and they'll have like very aggressive response that's just like wow there are native people in this that offends me you know you know it's like i, I think that we are running into this situation where, you know, like you guys know it's like 87 percent of u.s schools don't teach native history after 1900 so like for literally the vast majority of the country and also probably by extension the world like there are a lot of people that like have i would say uh either misinformation or no information about just like native just us as a people you know you know so of course with that like if somebody some people like so whenever we do native content people by virtue of not knowing anything about us are probably going to be challenged a little bit at least to just acknowledge that like native people exist and we do comedy. So it's like, you know, you're going to get people that are going to like trash talk comedy on the internet period. And then you're going to get people that like are going to trash talk things just because it's like the slightest challenge to their worldview. And that's just like, you know, par for the course with like kind of any comedian. But I think that like, you know, I definitely do get kind of get that feeling with like native comedy of like, well, you know, I mean, I'm not paying attention to the YouTube comments. I'm paying attention to all of the film festivals that my shorts have screened at with like to like good responses or like just, you know, am I proud of it? You know, and uh, so I think it's it's something that, uh, you know, it's like it's important to just like not really read the comments or like if you do take everything with a huge grain of salt, because you also don't know like who's writing those comments. It could be just like a nine year old who just learned how to use swear words. You know, it's like it's sort <laughs> of like what, well, you know, I mean. Who are these people that are making these comments? So they're all Russians. <laughs> uh, but, no, but that's that's the thing too. Is like it's like I don't know. Okay, it's like if if somebody who's like you know a member of my community or somebody that I respect has like you know a word of constructive criticism toward my work, of course I'll listen to that. But if some guy with like zero followers and zero people following, zero people he's following and zero followers, and his like. Twitter bio is like just the blank generic photo they give you up top and his name is like 
Joe seven six nine eight five two. Then it's like I'm not gonna like that's not whoever that is is like not giving me constructive feedback, you know. And how did that partnership come about? If you can talk about it with with Comedy Central. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, like uh, Comedy Central have been really kind of great partners in this process, and um. I uh, made my initial short, short the um, the bear animated short that telling people you're Native American, you're not Native, yeah, yeah. Um, like I originally made that, just like self financed to self produced screen to screen at a comedy show in Los Angeles um, in like 2018, and um, it did really well. So I submitted it through the festival circuit and it screened a bunch of places. Through that process, like I basically got connected with this really great sort of incubator lab for comedy projects with like kind of a social justice message called the Yes and Laughter Lab. Comedy Central was one of the, is one of the sponsors of that. I was one of the winners of it in 2019, where I pitched basically the idea of like what what I call Gone Native, which is essentially more animated shorts about more weird microaggressions Native folks run into. And um, it was one of the winners. I was connected to Comedy Central to Comedy Central through that. Um, some really great, you know, executives and folks who you know saw my presentation, saw my shorts, and just like like what I was doing. Um, and then that just kind of like started a process of like I partnered with um, the really great Native nonprofit Illuminative to um, uh, put together a list of like 25 Native American comedians to follow in 2020 to like showcase a lot of super funny Native comedians I know. I took over Comedy Central's Instagram stories on Indigenous People's Day in 2020 to like crack jokes about Native stuff, but also to like promote this list to get, you know, more eyes on this list of Native comedians. Really had a lot of fun with them on that. They really liked the work that I did. So um, they asked if I had any ideas for, you know, additional shorts or anything. So then I pitched the um, the Native sports mascot short um, that I uh, released last year with them that did well for them and was a good process. And they kind of like, they liked my output and liked working with me. So um, when the uh, opportunity to find a distribution partner for these three additional shorts that uh, I just released came out. Um, it was just like, we asked and they were like, hell yeah, you know, so I feel like they've just been very, um, you know, uh, you know, very great partners who've really like been very supportive and encouraging throughout my career. So yeah, like definitely props to the Comedy Central folks, you know. You said something earlier that I, uh, that I got curious about, you know, you said like, <clears throat> when you're writing something like you were asking, like, you, you asked yourself, like, am I proud of it? And I wondered, what's, do you have like a standard marker of like, you just go with a gut feeling of when you're proud of something? Or do you have like certain benchmarks that you like to hit and be like, all right, yeah, I've got a good feeling look, about this one. Look, if Twitter follower at Joe76892 location from Russia <laughs> says that he likes it, then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I mean, I, I think it's like, it's sort of a creative works, I feel are, they're like a work in progress until they're in a position where like an audience can look at them. So I think that like, you can kind of just look at, you know, how do you feel about the different steps to the process? So like the, that first um, bear short that I made, like I wrote that freehand on a notepad while laying in bed in like five minutes. I thought it was really funny, sent it to a few friends, you know, got like, a very small amount of notes, which was just like, I think that like what I wrote on that notepad um, in five minutes, like the short that, that I eventually made and released was like 90% that it's like, there was a couple small tweaks here and there, but it was mostly that thing that I wrote in five minutes, you know? For, so for me, it's like the entire process of it. And I feel like Spirit Rangers was a lot of this too. I was a writer, consulting producer on Spirit Rangers where it's like, oh, like you write the script and you're like, I think this is a good script. I'm really proud of it. And then you see like the animatic and you're like, I think this is like coming along really well. And then you see like, you know, the full animation with music and you're like, I think we made a really good thing. And like, and that's kind of, you know, just like how you view your own work of like, oh, I think I'm proud of this. I think that this is what I kind of wanted it to be in my head. And then, um, you know, once it's like actually out in the world and you see like positive comments to get positive feedback, that's like kind of the tell of like, oh yeah, yeah, I made a good thing that I stand behind and I'm proud of. Um, so it's a mix of like, you know, a gut feeling of like, like my first Native American boyfriend, if that got into zero film festivals, I would still feel like, well, I'm proud of how it turned out. And, you know, that's not to say there's not like lessons to be learned from it. You know, even now as like a piece of work that's out in the world, I still feel like, oh yeah, I've like learned from that, that I think is going to make my next thing that much stronger. This is going to sound overly philosophical, but like creating stuff is not, is creating stuff is kind of like breathing in that 
you're just going to have a natural output that you're not necessarily looking at your breath as like, oh, this breath was really good. Okay. Oh yeah, cool. I did that one. Okay. That one's really nerve wracking. I don't know about that one. You know, like better make it up with the next five breaths or whatever. You more <laughs> look at it as like the, the grand breadth of the stuff that you work on. And if you feel like your work in general is like going in an upper trajectory and like, you know, and it's like individual things you kind of look at, it's like, okay, yeah, that one's really good. Or, okay, that one was like, okay, but I could probably learn from things. But it's like, if you feel like you make, you know, a bunch of different things, you're naturally going to find a couple of things that, that stand out a little bit stronger than other things. So it's a very mm -hmm. long-winded answer to your question with a metaphor that I still don't think works, as I was saying, and about <laughs> breath or whatever, but like, <laughs> I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, we're working stuff out. We're working this out. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, this is my open mic. I'm workshopping this. Not very proud of that metaphor, but like, if I make a bunch of metaphors, maybe of like the 20 I make, three will be like good. <laughs> Keep asking your Russian friend, and, and they'll 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 help you find that metaphor. Yeah, I'll just be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll send them. Look, their DMs are probably open. <laughs> so, how did you get started? I mean, were you specifically looking at writing for animation or comedy specifically? How did how did that path go from one to the other? So, um, I moved to Los Angeles in 2010, and um, my first job was um to assist uh the guys that created the show Scare Tactics with Tracy Morgan like a lot of kind of hidden camera prank shows like that. And I really just moved to Los Angeles just to do comedy. And like, I didn't necessarily know what that meant. Cause it's like, is that writing, directing? Is that stand up? Is that acting? What is, what is, you know, to work in comedy, you know, really dove into the LA comedy scene with both feet, places like the, the kind of the upright citizens brigade theater, second city and stuff like that. And um, I started as a performer and then I think I shifted to, being more of a writer just because I felt like I was um getting better faster at writing if that makes sense like it felt like my like my greater potential was in writing so you know continue to follow that path wrote for a bunch of like sketch comedy groups and stuff like that in Los Angeles like I think that that just through random happenstance connections introduced me to a lot of like you know, people in the LA comedy scene who were like running their own shows for different, um, you know, networks. So like I was on a sketch group with um, a guy that uh, that created the show New Looney Tunes on Cartoon Network, which was like a relaunch of Looney Tunes that came out in 2015. And um, we were on a sketch group together when he was in the process of pitching that show. And he just like liked me and thought he was funny and thought I was funny and liked my sketches. So when he like the show was greenlit, he immediately asked me if I wanted to like write episodes for it. And then um that credit, you know, a couple of years later led to me writing for like a bunch of DreamWorks web series with like Shrek and stuff like that. You know, like those together led to writing for like a Lego Ninjago digital series in like 2017. From that, uh, you know, like making that animated short in 2018, which was entirely just a like that felt like the best format for that idea because I had a friend, um, David Kantowitz, who animated my first two shorts, the bear short and the mascot short. Um, he was just an animator that I really liked. And he's also just like, you know, a friend in the LA comedy scene I've done a show, ton of shows with. So I, um, you know, asked if we wanted to work together on that. And then when Spirit Rangers came a calling in 2020, um, I just had like, you know, like a little nice animation resume, plus with animations that were like about native stuff, which like how much of that, you know, at the time at least was out in the world. You know, now I think that like, it's like things lead to things. So it's like that first short led to four more shorts with Comedy Central and Spirit Rangers has led to things like Molly of Denali and other shows. And like, I don't think I'm like entirely an animation person because like, you know, my first Native American boyfriend is like a live action short. I have a bunch of other live action things that I'm working on, but I think that like animation has been really like, you know, good to me and giving me opportunities, if that makes sense. Yeah. I can see how animation and sketch comedy kind of walk hand in hand a little bit. Oh yeah. They're, they're both like, it's, it's this really weird thing that like you, you don't really realize until you're like in it, but so many kids animation writers used to be sketch comedy writers because sketch comedy is just bonkers. <laughs> like sketch comedy is like, it's so, it's such a heightened reality that you're playing in with sketch comedy, which is like what writing for animation is, you know? What what was your big one thing that you learned from working in the writer's room at Spirit Rangers? I probably learned a million things working on Spirit Rangers. Biggest thing is that I love working with other native people. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like being on a Zoom with other native folks every morning, you know, working on, you know, scripts and breaking stories and stuff like that, but also just like sharing space with each other and like 
making fun of CNN, calling us something else or whatever they called oh us. God. Like, you know, just like being able to react to the news as like just a room full of like native folks working in the entertainment industry. Like, um, like I, I talk about this a lot, but like every year on Indigenous Peoples Day, we convinced Netflix to give us the day off. And then we would go to a park in Los Angeles and just eat Indian tacos. And it was like, <laughs> And there, and there's not like a lot of restaurants in Los Angeles to eat Indian tacos. So we had to like, so we like knew somebody who knew somebody whose like auntie made Indian tacos that she just sold out of her house or something. <laughs> so it was like, so it was like every Indigenous People's Day, we'd be in like the, in like Grand Park in Los Angeles. And then just like some, like just like a native auntie would like pull up in her car with like a bunch of Tupperware containers full of Indian tacos. And she'd be like, here you go. And we'd be like, thank you. <laughs> um, And you know, like, like, when Deb Holland was named Secretary of the Interior, like that was announced while we were in a Spear Rangers VO record, and we like celebrated like we won the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, like people, we had to stop recording. People were like crying. People were like getting a million texts from people, and it's like, you know, to work with you know a group of people where like if I was working on a show where I was the only Native person on the show when that news dropped, like I would probably get that text. I would probably say Deb Holland's the Secretary of the Interior everybody in the room would probably be like, who's that? And what's the secretary of the interior? And then I would be like, oh, it's nothing. As I'm like sh shedding tears. <laughs> As I'm just like quietly crying to my tears of joy to myself, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, the best thing is just like, I don't know, I got to like share space with so many like dope native folks for two and a half years. Um, and, you know, through that process, it's like, there's definitely other things that I learned about like, you know, writing for, that age group and like specific um you know like chris valencia she's just like such a genius tv writer and producer so like you know i've learned so much just like about writing and storytelling working with her and you know chris nee who created doc mcstuffins like her as my like as the executive producer on the show along with carissa it's like i learned so much from her because she's like a legend in kids animation and just like getting notes from her and like hearing how her creative process operates like so, you know, all of that stuff, but ultimately probably the highlight, just hanging out with Native people. <laughs> well, we've we've talked to several Natives that live in L.A. and they all say the same thing about how important it is to find other people, other Natives to hang out with in that space to keep them, I guess, sane. Just to make them feel like they belong there and that they can stay there and, and, and grow and flourish in L.A. because yeah. L.A. is just so big. Yeah, it's it's it is it is very like um I feel like native Hollywood, which is kind of like, you know, the collection of like five hundred or whatever native folks who work in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles, it's like very like it's very like both loosely connected and tightly knit. So by that I mean there's not like a native Hollywood brunch every week or whatever. There's not like native Hollywood's not an organization or a place you can go hang out at. But I feel like we're all pretty well connected. So um you know, there's a lot of just like barbecues where you'll go to a barbecue and then like a bunch of folks will be there or like uh, there's like just, you know, whenever there's like a big event, like um, like the Prey premiere um, in, um, uh, you know, in August of last year, that was definitely like, oh, Native Hollywood like showed up to the, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we all showed up wearing our nicest outfits, a lot of beaded bolo ties at that for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, or like Santa Fe Indian Market, I think is like one of those things where it's like you you go there and it's like if you're a native working in the entertainment industry you're probably going to meet or run into like even if you didn't know they were there 50 other native folks in the entertainment industry who you're friends with you know um and like you know the sundance film festival is definitely like that i feel like there are a lot of things like that that are just kind of like social gatherings that like you're probably going to run into other native folks at and it is just like so comforting and like warm and it's like healing to just be able to like hang out with so many native folks in you know my day-to-day -day life um you know especially working in something that's like as big and you know it feels uh, enormous like entertainment industry to and like also an entertainment industry where it's like oh a lot of folks here like don't know a ton about native people so like to be able to have also just like you know text chats of native folks where you could like have conversations about like yo avatar 2 what did we think <laughs> you know yes, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And a short version of that is I have notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like, you get on. It's just like, I'm sure you guys running, even like running this podcast probably feel the same way where it's just like, oh, it's like other Native folks who are like also following creative pursuits you could like relate to on 
you know, native stuff, but also just the minutia of Hollywood stuff or entertainment industry stuff or podcasting stuff or whatever. So did you come from a small town in Washington? What was, was it a move to the big city or were you in a big area, big city yeah, in I, Washington? Yeah, I, I grew up kind of um, in and around the Tulalip Reservation, which is about like 45 minutes north of Seattle. And uh, I grew up like on the Tulalip Res and then kind of just like across the railroad tracks in Marysville. Um, you know, so that's that's like definitely like a small agricultural town. It's like, I think it, I want to say it has a population of like 80,000 folks or something like that. And it's like, it's close enough to Seattle that I definitely like, you know, went to Seattle a ton, you know, as a teen in my 20s and stuff like that. Um, and then um, I went to college at Washington State University, which is like Eastern Washington um, in a town called Pullman, which is like the town has a population of 30,000 people, um, but 20,000 of those people are students going to the college. So it's like very <laughs> much a college town. And then there's like nothing around it for like an hour or two drive in each direction. You know, I would say that I, don't know, like, I think that like L.A., what is interesting about LA is that it's a city that does not have one downtown. It has like a dozen downtowns. In most big cities, there's like, oh, this is kind of the center of town where stuff happens, you know, where there's concert venues or movie theaters or whatever. And in LA, there's like, there's like the Santa Monica Third Street Promenade. There's like Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. There's like, there's Hollywood Boulevard. There's downtown Burbank. There's downtown LA, you know, there's there's so many different like boroughs and neighborhoods that each have their own massive hubs that are like as big as any other city. So I think it like it does take a little bit of like, you know, kind of navigating and finding your way and finding your like hangouts and stuff like that. But I feel like once you do like for me, like after I'd been here for about a year, year and a half or so, I just like made friends with other people here and like, you know, established my hangouts and, you know, my routines. And like after that, it got a lot easier. It's kind of a because it's so big, you can kind of define what L.A. is for you. So uh, in your comedy work, did you have did you do stand up and those kind of things? Yeah, a little bit. I did. Okay, so I did stand up when I like I did stand up in Seattle a little bit before I moved to L.A. When I moved to Del L.A., I did stand up here and there. I primarily, and then I just was like, "This is hard, and I'm tired." <laughs> so I um, shifted from stand up to um, kind of improv comedy and sketch comedy. I guess that like what I like about those over stand up is that like improv and sketch, it's like a group activity. Like stand up is a very solo thing. It's just you on stage with a microphone, whereas improv and sketch, it's like, oh, you have like a group of people. So it kind of feels like you have, you know, people that you're working with and can relate to. And like, I'm just like, I don't know. I just like, I like the collaborative process. That's probably like one of my favorite parts of making things is just to make things with other people. So like, I think that that, that was just kind of that's like where I fell into shortly after moving to LA. But um, you know, stand up is fun and it's like I have a lot of friends who are stand-ups. It's just sort of um it's an art form that uh I it's never really like dove into totally. Not saying I'm never gonna do it, but it's like it's just improv and sketch and like working collaborative with collaboratively with people is just more fun for me, you know. Yeah, sure. Do you have any heroes, natives or non-natives in that field that you look up to, like a sketch of of stand-up and sketch comedy uh oh yeah yeah um i would say that um as far as non-natives goes i definitely grew up really loving like you know conan o'brien um like bob odenkirk which like bob odenkirk's career is so like cool and wild because it's like he was just like a writer on saturday night live and now he's an action movie star who was in two of the most highly regarded series of all time you know in like leading roles um uh, so yeah, Bob Odenkirk, uh, you know, like folks like Chris Farley for sure. Um, uh, and then, um, you know, like I just loved the Simpsons a ton growing up. And then as I kind of got more into like sketch comedy, just like the scene of sketch comedy, um, you know, I became a really big fan of, um, like a lot of the people that were doing stuff at like funny or die in the late two thousands, early 2010s. Um, you know, folks like, uh, like I really loved the state growing up. It was one of my favorite sketch shows. It was on MTV and like, um, seeing um how the people from the state have kind of branched off into um you know other areas of the entertainment industry is really cool to see and also just as somebody who came up from that space it's like it's just like cool to see people clearly using their sketch comedy muscles to do other stuff and then like of course i got a shout out jordan peele it's like he and peele was such an amazing show and then seeing like all the great horror work that he's doing it's like oh how could i not shout that guy out um you know, so I would say that, like, 
you know, th those are the ones that like immediately come to mind. Like, though I don't do as much sketch as I used to, I definitely think that it's a really good training ground for what is your like gut instinct of what you think is funny or not. It, like, I think that that's something that um, I wish more comedy writers or, or just like any kind of writer did is like put your material in front of an audience. So it's like, you know, for me, like for my first Native American boyfriend, like that first Pocahontas joke, I like had a pretty good feeling that that was going to play just because I've like bombed in front of audiences for a decade and know what doesn't work. So like that kind of develop and like also, you know, done a good job in front of audiences too. And like that just kind of builds up your like comedic instincts for, you know, if something is going to like land or be funny or not. And um, so I think that like, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's like improv, stand up, sketch or whatever, it's like, I think that if you want to be a comedy writer, it's really important to like get your stuff on its feet in front of an audience because that'll that'll like make you more confident as a comedy writer and as like a person pitching jokes in a room on a script or just like when you're you know when you're writing a script you can like picture it a little bit more and think like oh this is how this should play the edit should happen here like oh this should be a hard cut to this or that just because you've like you know for lack of a better term made a hundred bad sketches so now you know kind of like what not to do you know <laughs> yeah can you um and I'm not trying to not trying to dredge up an embarrassing thing or whatever but I wonder can you can you think of an example of like through your through through years of that experience like of what works for uh audiences that you've been in front of versus what doesn't because I've been I've been in a room where you know it was improv class you know and yeah yeah and we're all trying to be funny but you know but that's that actually kind of works against you a lot of times trying to be funny I remember a gal she had a very very memorable she was just telling about the story of her life and she thought it was very funny but the rest of us just kind of went girl <laughs> like abuse girl your mom was crazy whose mom puts them on a horse at the age of three and tells them to go you know but you know anyway but you know that's uh, that was something that was like really really like, but that was true for her. Of I wondered, like, how do you how do you finesse that line, like, versus what works for some and what works for what doesn't work for others? Oh, uh, really quick before I before I answer that question, I definitely got a shout out. You know, like the fourteen eighty ones, of course, is oh. just like really. It's like yeah, it's like I, I really appreciate that they're, you know, like I I know that uh, like a lot of them had done longer form and non sketch work before doing the fourteen ninety ones, but it's been so like, it's just so cool to see like they were like a sketch group on YouTube and now they have one of the most popular shows on TV that, you know, was created by Sterling Harjo, but so many of the 1491s, I think all of them are working in the writer's room on it or on screen on it. And, um, you know, so seeing them go from like silly comedy sketches to like one of the most beautiful shows on TV, it's just like, so I don't know, it's like, it's dope. And like, you know, folks like Janice meeting, it's like everything that she, she does is so funny. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, definitely wanted to shout those folks out. Um, as far as uh, as far as the answer to that question, I mean, I think that that's like uh, I think that to be a comedian, it's important to have a level of self awareness about like how you're perceived, and I think that it's also important to like basically what our job is as comedians is to point out like weird societal truths that are and like shine a light on them. So for me, like using the um the the my first native american boyfriend as an example it's just like oh yeah it's weird when your like partner asks you weird questions like that so like we all acknowledge that's like weird right <laughs> you know <laughs> um and like you know the laugh is other people being like oh yeah that is really weird um i think that for me um i feel like when i did sketch i tried to like i tried to write what to me felt like the for lack of a better term, the like craziest or like most out there thing. Like what is, what's the weirdest thing that I could write? So it's like, I feel like I wrote, a, I feel like in that stage of my writing, I wrote a sketch that was just like ghosts who are sexually attracted to bed sheets or something like that. Cause ghosts <laughs> wear like bed sheets over their heads. So I'm like, like, what if they like, what if they're like, Ooh, a bed sheet, you know? Um, uh, and then I like, I had another sketch that was like, that I tried so hard to make this sketch work. That was like, it was like a news reporter who does not know what a person is, what like a human <laughs> is. And it's like, that's one of those things where that's like a funny sentence, but it's like, you cannot, that does not, that's like a funny thought, but not like something that can sustain itself. 
But I think like that actually go with that because I think that as like a sketch or an improvisation of someone as a reporter, almost kind of like the dumb, what was it, the absent-minded waiter kind of thing that uh, Steve Martin did. I don't know if you ever saw, but that kind of thing where when you see someone acted out as like not being able to say what this person is and what how that would be done it could be funny if it was seen as as a as a short film oh yeah it was that was tough because it's like you have so many questions immediately about that person (laughs) that it's sort of like it's like because i think that the way that that played the way that that sketch played out i tried it on stage a ton like you know definitely like blessed to my ucb uh sketch group from 2013 really trying to help me make this work but it was like it was like a news reporter that had to interview somebody but they couldn't figure out what they were they were like they kept on trying to interview a chair because they thought that's what the person they thought that's who they're supposed to interview so it's like <laughs> oh how did how did that person get that job <laughs> <You know? laughs> um and it's like it's like a funny thought but it's like you know tr- i tried that sketch i probably put it up four or five times at different shows and it just like it was always like yeah it's kind of getting laughs but also like the, you know in that situation i was trying to out weird myself for lack of a better term you know i think that like there's that and like whereas i think that what I try to write now is like, oh, what's something that like I at least kind of relate to as like a human, you know? It's like, so you know, there's there's a version of that sketch, that ske- the news reporter sketch or that um, ghost sketch, we're just about like, oh, it's a weird thing that happens. Whereas it's like there's a version of that that it's like, like um, I think like I probably did a version of this joke at the end of my first Native American boyfriend, which is like the it's revealed that the girlfriend who's saying all the weird racist stuff is actually a werewolf and the reason that she's dating this guy is that she saw the movie twilight and thought all native people were werewolves so that's why she was dating this guy at this point the guy's just like "Ah, i'm breaking up with you this is too much but it's like oh that that ghost bedsheet sketch if it was like oh a ghost just like can't relate to other ghosts because it's like a bedsheet ghost so because of that it's like if leaning into the the why of that ghost would probably make that sketch uh work because I feel like that then that then that that's about like, you know, how trouble how hard it can be to find like natural connections with people you relate to sometimes, especially in dating or whatever, you know, and it's like, oh, exploring that as opposed to just like weirder stuff happens over the span of four minutes, you know, <laughs> at that point, it just comes like scattershot weirdness, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah so that's that's kind of my like, if I decide to make that into a short film, that's my note to myself to fix that. But um. <laughs> and and I think as far as like personal stories goes I think it's like I feel like a lot of comedians and a lot of people that tell those stories especially in improv is like there's this worry of like oh I have to look cool and it's like I feel like in comedy you have to like allow yourself to be the butt of the joke sometimes you know you know that person in that improv class that told that story about their um their mom putting them on a horse at three years old where they were like like oh my mom my my mom sure is weird it's like where if they leaned into it of if it's like you could emphasize other parts of that not so it's not like oh you're you were abused as a child you know it's just sort of it's like you like the more that you do it the more that you learn to kind of finesse and what to emphasize and what to what to land on and um you know but i think that it's like if you follow like the the truth of the situation or it's like if she is a kid really leaned into like this was extremely weird and like that's you know then it's a tough thing to necessarily explain outside of just like the more that you do it the more you get a feel for like oh i'm pretty sure that this is how an audience will react to this thing versus that thing and i don't know i think that leaning on toward like letting yourself be the butt of the joke and don't worry about coming out of a story looking cool it's like because i feel like our flaws and our um like our flaws is what makes us relatable to other people right so it's like leaning into that stuff and like letting them be flaws and not trying to paint over them where you seem cool or suave or whatever is like i don't know mm-hmm. that was that was a very short class on comedy but i don't know long story short just do a bunch of comedy shows and you'll suck for the first hundred but then after that you'll get okay and then do a thousand <laughs> more and then you'll be good you know <laughs> in your perception um do you think funny people are naturally funny or is it something that we can learn over time so i think that like oh yeah i for sure feel like there are people that are just like inherently funny i like i like to look at creativity as like it's like a craft like anything else right it's like 
you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like learning how to build a shelf, you know, um, you can definitely learn like joke structure. Um, you can definitely learn how to like effectively pitch a comedic idea. You know, you can learn script structure for writing scripts. You can learn how comedic heightening works with sketch comedy. Like, so I feel like those are all things that are like learned traits. That said, there are some people that like are just funny and it's like, I don't want to say it's like frustrating, but it's just something that it's like, like anything else, there are some people that are inherently better at the thing from the start. I mean, I, like I, I say this a lot and I think about this a lot. We're like, I think that working in comedy, just being funny is like, that's like not the whole pie. Like probably the funniest person that I've ever seen was just like a dude that worked as like a cashier at like an oil change place that my brother worked at. And he was just like, immediately roasting every customer who walked in in a way that was really funny and like the customer who was being roasted was just like ah you got me you know like it's like very inclusive and he was just like hilarious from like second one but like is that guy gonna write a feature is that guy gonna write a short film is that guy gonna like do open mics for five years to get like a tight five minute set or whatever you know like i think that it's like being inherently funny is part of it but like work ethic and just being willing to like grind and do the thing is like also just like a huge part of it and um you know just because you're like really good with like riffs or jokes or roasts off the top of your head that doesn't necessarily mean that you should be on snl because like beyond being on snl is like a very specific skill set that involves like are you good with characters can you write sketches can you like show up to the office on time like you know being funny and the job of working in comedy or like two kind of different things that um being funny helps you with working in comedy but i also but i know a ton of people who are super funny who don't work who like don't have the uh knowledge base to translate that into a career in comedy and then i know a ton of people who work in comedy that are like maybe not as inherently funny as like you know random cashier at a jiffy lube or whatever but it's like they have the work ethic and they know like how to pitch jokes and how to frame comedic ideas and they can sit down and write a screenplay and you know, that kind of thing. So it's like, it's, I think it's like a craft, like anything else, but like anything else, there are some people that are better at it than others immediately. But it also is something that I think that if you like, if you grind away at it, you can figure it out, you know? Is there like a joke, a short or a project that you just, you really, ooh, it would just be the cherry on top of everything. Like if you could nail it, like, is there like a, do you have a Moby Dick? Do I have a Moby Dick? Uh, yes, it's called Moby Dick. It's about a white whale. No. <laughs> uh, okay, honestly. From Queequeg's point of view. Yeah, yeah. From Queek yeah, from the true hero of Moby Dick is the native guy. <laughs> that uh not to talk about it more, but like that just reminded me there's a plot line in Avatar 2 that's basically what if Queequeg became friends with the whale Moby Dick, which is like I just realized that's what James Cameron was doing, which like, eh, cool, whatever, man. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Okay, so this is an idea. So this is an idea that I've been. This is like a, a sketch idea that I really want to do. That I am not totally sure how to do, which is like we all know land acknowledgments, right? The idea that if you do a land acknowledgement over the internet, you would have to do a land acknowledgement for every single tribe because you don't know the land of the person who's like whose video that you're on or like you don't know like it's so so it's basically oh like God. here's a land acknowledgement for the internet of every single tribe and then it's just literally like i think it's a song or something like that like that animaniac song about the different countries or whatever that's just like a song that's just like literally every single tribe and then it's like and it would be 30 minutes long um <laughs> And it's like, could not screen it in film festivals, don't know what I would do with it, but just to have it exist would bring me so much joy. And I've like, <laughs> I've hit up a few musicians to ask if they wanted to like, do the music for it. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like the Animaniacs, you know, all the country song. And it's like, I think that would be really funny if it was like, 17 minutes in, you're like, and that's all the tribes. And here's the not federally recognized ones. <laughs> and then another, another 20 minutes of tribes. <laughs> but it's like, I've, I've like asked a few folks who were just like, no. <laughs> so I feel like <laughs> I, found the right, I found the right musician. And like, it's also like, oh, that would probably be like so expensive to have somebody animate. 
because it's like, <laughs> oh, that's going to be 30 minutes long. So that that's my, if given infinite money, like thing I would love to do. <laughs> or wouldn't the land knowledge be the IP address actually? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> In honor of our forefather, Al Gore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. We've got a land acknowledgement, the people who came here first, which is of course Al Gore with this IP address. <laughs> uh that's a really funny joke. Yeah, I'd like to do a land acknowledgement for everybody's IP addresses. So uh everybody, <laughs> I'd like to acknowledge the IP address. One zero one one five seven 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 at earthlink.net. Uh, they are the original stewards of this IP address. <laughs> and they lost it through coercion or treaties. <laughs> or a virus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't worry about it. Or, you know, Earthlink, they were the providers, of the, they were the caretakers of this address, and they still are. They're still here. It's important to acknowledge that Earthlink <laughs> is still here as a company. <laughs> acknowledge the matriarch, our mother Earthlink. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. This is a match. There you go. This is... <laughs> Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we got to be a comedy team now. I feel like that's just the rats. The rule. Um, <laughs> you know what what outlet on the internet would buy a, a 30 minute long sketch comedy video about land acknowledgements so it's like okay so it's like that's something i have to like self-produce which is like i just need to like email friends of mine who are native musicians and be like hey will you like write this song that's every tribe yeah that'll be like your your uh, andy kaufman routine where Oh you yeah go full in with it and just go <laughs> and just keep going with it yeah, because that's something that it's like, oh, that couldn't screen, that could not screen at a film festival because <laughs> it's like, that's going to be 26 minutes long of just naming off tribe names. Well, okay. In in all fairness, at that same screening at Rodeo Cinema, we watched an experimental film that was, I think you could do it. Let's just <laughs> say it that way. I think you could do okay, it. Just cool. call it an experimental film. <laughs> Honestly, that makes me that's a good point. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh the my my short film a land acknowledgement for literally every tribe uh will be on the festival circuit next year, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Honestly, this is so this conversation has bumped that idea for me. It was probably like number 20 <laughs> on my to-do list of things I want to make. It's probably like number 12. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not this year, not next year, but maybe within the next five years, I might make that. Why? What have you got planned for the next year or two? Uh, what I got planned for next uh, next year or two? Oh, mainly just coasting on Spirit Rangers, just being like, just being like, I'm gonna play video games. I can just, I can just coast on, I can just coast on the glory of this. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, next year or two. I mean, you know, just like horror Hollywood stuff just like developing shows and writing features and just you know doing the writing comedy thing well that was oh, significantly actually, is... vague <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, well it's it's just sort of like I don't know I feel like there's this thing I don't know like I'm sure y'all kind of feel the same way about this stuff where it's just like oh you have projects that are in like various stages of works and it's like maybe that'll be a thing maybe it won't who knows so it feels <laughs> weird to just like go into immense details but um, yeah, like I'm developing a few TV shows with different, you know, networks that I sold. I've got like um, a feature that I'm writing right now that I'm going to try to like, you know, pitch places and, um, you know, a few other like projects like that, like, you know, different things I'm sending around. And I want to like, I want to try to make a few more short films this year just because it's such a fun process. Um, haven't totally figured out what they're going to be. Probably will not be the land acknowledgement thing. That'll be like, uh, that'll be a few years from now when I'm like, okay, I've made I've made normal short films. Now I need to make one just for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> although this is uh, this is big news, which is maybe this is a scoop. I'm uh, actually wrestling my first professional wrestling match in March. <laughs> Wait, what? So you are doing an Andy Kaufman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I can uh, say too many details on it, other than like so far, assuming it happens, it's in the calendar for late March in Los Angeles. Uh, you follow me on Twitter. I'll send you more info on it. But I've I've started. I'm if you look, if you can't, if you're listening to me, you can't see me on Zoom. But I'm not in very good shape. 
so I'm like, I've, I've, I've gotten a personal trainer I'm starting with tomorrow. Uh, I've got like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I, my goal is to at least be in not embarrassing shape when I'm wearing uh, wrestling tights and grappling with <laughs> right. actual wrestlers. So, so what's your wrestling name going to be? Okay, so this is like, uh, okay, so this is, this is going to be like a long walk to get to the explanation. Um, it's based on, I, uh, I have like a, 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 a group of friends and I have been this like professional wrestling group on this web series called Being the Elite, which is like a a big web series within uh, sort of the wrestling scene. And uh, our gimmick is we're, we're the hat boys. We're three guys who just love hats. So like, so <laughs> we don't have names other than we're the hat boys. So it's like, I'm, I'm either going to go as like Joey Clift or I'll be like Joey Stetson or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like Joey top hat or whatever. Joey Fedora. <laughs> yeah. Joey Fedora. Uh, that's a good, all, all good names. Oh, yeah. Tam O'Shanter. Oh, you have to wear something like that. What does that do with the beard? Abe Lincoln, you got somebody, somebody's got to bring back the Don't Lincoln. Pop that. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 That That's like so the, the, the Hat Boys text chat is mostly us being like, which hat are you going to wear when we're wrestling? <laughs> yeah. And then like, you can so put far, like little wep weapons inside it and pull them out. Oh, that? yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking either like either Abe Lincoln top hat or I might do, I might do like a Gallagher hat, like the floppy yeah. hat that like Gallagher wore. Like, I feel like that would be fun. It is sort of like, you know, this is probably going to be my one ever pro wrestling match that it the situation with which it came about was like, oh, that's never going to happen again. Also, I'm like, <laughs> definitely in my 30s and like, definitely will probably break my neck. So it's like, <laughs> so I'm like this is my this is my fantasy camp is wrestling on this show. Have you been on a wrestling mat before? No, <laughs> they're not. You think they'd be super padded, but they're not, man. They're like really tough. Cause like, oh yeah, yeah. I shot yeah, a, a wrestling match one time, and we oh, got to say, wow. oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, oh my god, I would not, I could not do that. Oh yeah, it's like I feel like when I do like I'm I'm doing uh like once I I'm gonna have like a personal trainer for a few weeks, and then I'm gonna um. Uh, a friend of mine is a, a wrestler and he's going to kind of take us to a wrestling ring and, you know, teach us how to like run the ropes and that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, I, I picture the second that I bounce off the ropes, my like ribs are going to liquefy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like I am not an athletic person. It was also very fun explaining this to my personal trainer. <laughs> like I had a phone call with him this week where he was just like, oh, yeah, so why are you, Why do you want a personal trainer? And I was like, I have a wrestling match to prepare for. And he's like, oh, are you a wrestler? And I'm like, no. So, yeah, look forward to photos of me in the hospital in early April, probably. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Will it be, like, live streamed anywhere? Like, do we get to tune in? Oh, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think that's, that. like, d those details are still being worked out. But I'll definitely I'll, I'll post on Twitter. I'll definitely I'll, I'll send y'all an email when it's uh, a thing that people can watch. Bring it back and you can tell us how how it went with you. How many? Oh, you'll you'll be able to tell by yeah you'll be able to tell by the blood still shooting out of my forehead as I'm talking. <laughs> just like oh it went fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah you know I mean other, other than that it's just like you know I feel like I'm I'm uh, like I wrapped Spirit Rangers in December you know um we've got uh, a few more. Uh, kind of we've got a bunch more episodes that are kind of you know in production that are going to be coming out this year and um you know so i'm just uh like you know enjoying doing different freelance writing things and developing things and you know uh like it, it's so cool the uh the, my fifth comedy central animated short came out um last week on their uh animated youtube channel the um the stephen king one i was telling you about um so you know i'm just like you know promoting that and writing my own stuff and working on the next thing so you know who knows Garfield oh yes I I mean look that's Garfield is just the baseline of what my life is so it's like <laughs> I'll also be looking at a picture of Garfield every day that's not a Monday and being like <laughs> what's that Garfield you want me to eat lasagna <laughs> well let's see we usually wrap up by asking a few questions um what advice would you give your younger self uh well, that's a good question so the um the advice that i would give my younger self i mean i think that this kind of ties into a lot of what we were talking about earlier which is like it's okay to have dreams and it's okay to dream big and if you have something that you want to try to do you can try it at any age but why not start young 
and also like kind of especially when you're when you get started like you know don't listen to the like um listen to real feedback from people but like don't listen to the haters you know i remember when i first started doing comedy you know there were people at my like you know high school and just like people that were like that's dumb you're stupid why are you doing jokes you know and now i'm a working tv writer on uh uh spirit rangers which was nominated for two annie awards this week yeah i saw um, that you know and i have like a comedy central digital series that you know i created that's like has my name on it that came out and a ton of other cool things so it's like you know when you start anything it's like it's it feels risky and it feels tough and it feels stressful but it's like you got to push through those feelings and just keep creating and you know it might not feel like you're putting out great work at first but if you keep at it and you keep listening to people and being nice and being a good collaborator eventually you'll push through that and make cool art it's like just it's just how it goes for every single person that you're a fan of is when they first started they sucked and now they're great and it's because they kept working at it and what are you consuming reading listening to watching that's inspiring you right now uh so i'd say what i'm consuming is um uh, game footage of the professional wrestlers I'm going to be fighting so I can learn their weaknesses. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I think that, okay, I think that right now I'm kind of a bad consumer of media just because I'm like, I'm um, I'm uh, like writing a feature right now. So I'm just very much like on the blinders on that. Most recently I saw the movie Plane in theaters with starring Gerard Butler, which was basically a very fun, dumb action movie about a plane. Um which is why it's called playing everybody. They, they're not burying the lead with that one. There's a lot of shows that I like, I really want to dive into the last of us. I haven't started watching it yet, but I, I hear it's really good. Um, oh, I just started reading uh, like uh, Stephen Graham Jones, earth divers, which is um, a really great comic series uh, basically about a bunch of native people wanting to go back in time to kill Christopher Columbus <laughs> and it's dope. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that like right now I'm not ingesting as much as I would like, but you know, those are some things that I'd like literally just rather watch in the past week that I'm really digging. Any last questions, folks? What's a wrestling move that you want to conquer and get down as you go into your wrestling journey? So I would say that the biggest move that I want to conquer is the move where I don't injure myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... So it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, part of me as a big wrestling fan is like, oh, that'd be cool to do a 450 splash or something like that. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, there's like no way that I'm going to pull that off without dying. <laughs> so like my goal, my goal is just to just the just to not hurt myself, not hurt myself and look like impressive enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I just keep getting every time you talk about wrestling, I keep getting these visions of Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah ring. that's probably that's probably what i'm gonna look like yeah my wrestling move is gonna be putting my fists out to my sides and spinning <laughs> i'll call it the propeller hat spin <laughs> yeah actually yeah the move no actually no i'm gonna, I'm gonna change my answer the move i want to conquer is to win the match that's what i want to do <laughs> yeah whatever it takes yeah. to win the match yeah you <laughs> want to make friends you can't even win <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I don't want to impress people with how many flips I could do on a backflip. I just want to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what's going to be your hype song coming in? Uh, okay, so we've actually uh, we've actually already figured this out because oh. uh, me and my friends are all wrestling dorks who uh, think way too much about this. Uh, <laughs> so there's a Depeche Mode song called Wild Boys that we're going to uh, <laughs> find a karaoke track of it and then change the lyrics from Wild Boys to Hat Boys. <laughs> we're change all the lyrics so that it's about hats and how we're guys who like hats. <laughs> I thought it would be a Joe Cocker's You Can Leave Your Hat On. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so that'll be our... Okay, so Hat Boys will oh. be our entrance music. Joe Cocker, You Can Leave Our Hat On will be our... That'll be our exit music after we win. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have so much fun. <laughs> I I hope I don't get hurt. I'm going. I, I literally seven a.m. tomorrow morning. I'm going to a personal trainer so that I could be in. So just so I could be in okay shape for this wrestling match I'm doing in March. Like I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna stack like so many lunches and hangouts with friends for like the week after that wrestling match. 
because that's going to be like the best shape I, I'm ever going to be in in my life. And I'm like, I need to see this. <laughs> it's like, I have two abs. Oh, be sure to schedule your new headshots too. Oh yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I'll, I'll probably get my like new bio photos taken that week. Just because it's like, oh, I am, this is going to be the most like in shape I'm probably ever going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I can hardly wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. I'm on yeah. hyped. <laughs> yeah, Are you gonna document uh, all of this on on your socials? This okay, whole so process. I, so I I might I so we so we haven't I guess that you know outside of this podcast I haven't I haven't like posted on the socials like I am wrestling in March, um, <laughs> but like it's like I'm gonna wait until you know the the match is actually announced to probably like uh the, the match is like you know there's like a poster like because it's you know um but uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because it's like, and it's not, it's not officially announced. There's a world that can fall apart. But I've like booked a personal trainer operating as if, and we bought like we went to the garment district in LA last week and bought like the fabric for our wrestling gear, which was such a fun friend activity to do. <laughs> um, so if it doesn't happen, I will be crushed, um, or at least out eighty dollars on this stretchy fun fabric that we bought. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I document this process. I mean, I think that like part of me, like part of me wants to, but I, my worry is that like I'm at the start of the process. And I, I'm not sure if y'all have done this when you're like, okay, I'm going to get in shape. I, you know, I'm going to like, I'm going to take like a before photo that I'm going to like look at six months from now when I've like, you know, am in good shape or something like that. And then you just like give up after three days. So you just have photos of yourself <laughs> in your phone where you get progressively in worse shape. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I feel like I'll doc, I'll, I feel like I'll document it if, if like a month and a half from now. I'm like, I've like kept at it and in good shape. Then I'll probably, then I might start documenting it, but like, I'm not going to do it in the early stages. <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> yes, yes. Good luck. Best oh, of thank luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't want to be prophetic. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Please don't, please don't wish any harm upon me. <laughs> I'm a very weak man. I'm a very weak man. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us where we can find you on social. Oh yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter uh, and TikTok at Joey Tainment. You can find me on Instagram um, at Joey Clift with like five or six eyes. Um, I will probably be starting a Hive or a Mastodon or something soon because I don't know what is social media at this point. Um, yeah. And then you can find me, you know, JoeyClift.com. A lot of my stuff is uh, on that site. And then um, I would say that uh, if you want to check out uh, my first Native American boyfriend. You can find that on my um, Vimeo page, uh, Joseph Clift. More episodes of Gone Native can be found on Comedy Central's animated uh, YouTube channel. And um, everybody, check it out. I'm really excited about them. They're they're super funny. Super proud of how they turned out. Um, the and I work with some really great Native folks on them. Um, the first short, uh, Six Things You Didn't Learn About Native American People in High School, was voiced by Sienna East, who's an amazing Native comedian. And um, with designs and storyboards by Marie Bauer, who's a really great um, Native, uh, <clears throat> just a visual artist. Um, the second short was voiced by, which is, uh, uh, every time you say that something is your spirit animal, you have to give every Native American person you know $25. I love that one so much. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Which is voiced <laughs> by Benny Wayne Sully. And then the um, uh, open letter to Stephen King, uh, Indian Burial Grounds to European Burial Grounds short, was voiced by Ramon Zaragoza. Um, who's uh, on Ghosts on CBS. And then um, one of the animators was uh, uh, Brett May, who's an amazing Ojibwe animator. So uh, definitely check those shorts out on Comedy Central Animated. Check out my first Native American boyfriend on my Vimeo page. And check out Spirit Rangers on Netflix. We were nominated for two uh, Annie Awards this week. You got to watch that. Yay. So it's good. It's You know, it's good. Well, and you worked on Molly, which went up for an Emmy? Oh yeah, yeah. Why well, I wrote um I wrote on uh, this season of Molly. So yeah, yes, oh, okay. Molly of Denali. So so don't watch the episodes I didn't write. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. The Molly team's great. Everybody who wrote who on that show is really good, and that it's such a good show. And I feel so honored to have been invited to you know write a few episodes um of the show, which will be you know coming out in the coming months. I think. Um. So yeah, Molly of Denali is great. Everybody watch that too. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and mm -hmm. I'm sure that we'll have you back after your big wrestling match so we can hear <laughs> all about it 
Uh, it'll probably it'll be me wearing a big bandage on my forehead and in full traction in a hospital bed. <laughs> being like, this be was a bad idea. You shouldn't have encouraged me. I took your laughs as a sign that I should do this, not a sign that, that I shouldn't. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Yep. And thanks awesome. to all yeah, of our and thanks to all of our folks for listening. Remember, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it, keep it real. real. Indigenous. 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 <laughs> <laughs>